fellas big week we got max musselman calling in to talk college hoops uh we'll get to that interview in just a little bit um but first fellas let's talk uh amongst ourselves a little college hoops new rankings out this week pretty much the same same as last week i mean gonzaga baylor still at the top there one and two uh, michigan still number three ohio state still number four illinois moving up a spot to number five so you got Three Big Ten teams right there in the three, four, and five spot. Michigan looking like they have a great chance to be a number one seed. Ohio State looking like they have a great chance to be a number one seed. And what are we just over a week away uh, till the Big Ten tournament? Andy, do you have an idea when that starts? I think we're a week and a half. Um, I think in two weekends is the last week of regular play, of regular season play, and then they go right into the tournament. Okay. Let's see. Oh, no, we're still a couple weeks. I, we still got, let's see, two, yeah, what would you say, two and a half weeks or one and a half weeks? We yeah, got, two two weekends from now is the last, uh, Yeah, I think. Or actually, no, it looks like it starts Iowa has the, games scheduled till March 7th. Yeah, it looks like um, that will be the last eight. weekend, though. It's the 10th it starts, so it's got to be done on the 7th mm-hmm. um, for conference play, at least, and then getting into the Big Ten tournament. Um, and it's really anyone's game there. Obviously, that... We didn't talk about it on the show, but big news last week. That got moved to Indianapolis. I think it was originally for Chicago, I want to say. Um, and that is going to be in Indianapolis as yeah. well as as the big tournament, obviously, March Madness there. Uh, so maybe that gives your, your Gophers an advantage uh, and just the Big Ten an advantage, having the opportunity to play there. Uh, obviously, a place that the Gophers historically have played at a lot. And actually, maybe not. I guess it's probably going to be at the, the football stadium, right? What what is that place called? They're uh, Lucas, Lucas Oil. Oil. I think they're gonna yeah. have some games at the football mm. stadium, but then they're also gonna set up the Indianapolis Convention Center, which is pretty pretty massive. It's gonna be like an AAU tournament, basically. Okay, <laughs> nice. that'll be cool. And Andy, have you yeah. seen the schedule on any of those? Are they gonna have games like all through the day, like it normally is? I I haven't seen anything, but just just considering the, how the TV schedule works and, you know, this is the moneymaker for the NCAA. I have to imagine that teams are going to be scheduled the same, scheduled the same way, uh, even though they're all going to be played under one roof. Yeah. And it's going to be great to get back to that and just seeing games on in the middle of the day. I mean, it's officially college basketball season uh, now that the NFL is over and I can't wait. I mean, it's been so long. We didn't really get any conference tournaments last year. I think big East might've started big 10 had one day, of games and we did see some mid-majors play their conference tournaments but we haven't seen conference basketball and just tournament basketball in a long time fellas and it's going to be fun in just a couple weeks the best time of the year in my opinion coming up and to see March Madness obviously it's going to be a lot different with no fans uh but AAU tournament dude that's that kind of gets me jacked up and yeah that's exciting that's going to be a fun a fun week of basketball for sure I yeah, want to, yeah. I want like background um, 
like the behind the scenes videos of like teams getting into it, you know, like in the hallways or whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, like yeah, between the games, stands. after games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in wow. the hotels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And- we've all been there. I've got some stories about AAU tournaments or just being at tournaments and games with rival teams and being at the concession stands and things just not going the way uh, that coaches would have liked them to go. Mm-hmm. I can think of when we played Minneapolis North at their place and Slater got into it with Isaac Johnson over a piece of pizza, but mm. <laughs> that's nice. for another time. Um, but yeah, I think this, this time of year is one of the best times when it comes to sports, when the tournaments come out um, and March Madness is great as we all know, but I'm super excited for this Big Ten tournament because Big Ten is so stacked, much like it was last year, but even more so maybe this year. And I think in that Big Ten tournament, legitimately every single team in the league can win that game except Nebraska. But besides mm-hmm. them, everybody else could yeah. legitimately upset uh, the first team they play against and make a deep run, um, which they might need in the Big Ten tournament because there's going to be – I don't know. I don't know what they're having now. If, it, if they're saying nine Big Ten teams are going to make it or ten, but whoever is that 11th team is a very good team that's getting left out of the tournament. So if they can make a run, that's going to do a great deal for them. But, yeah, I'm really, really excited for it. I think that if you're an Indianapolis, Indianapolis, Indianapolis resident, uh, you've pretty much won the lottery right now. Yeah. Um, that is if they can allow fans to go into the game, which I think they can because – some stadiums are already doing that now for college basketball. So the NCAA is allowing it, but yeah. And if you're going to college at Indiana or one of those schools and just skip classes and go there for a full day, that, that would be awesome. Maybe we'll have to make a wake and take road trip to it. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a long one for me and Randy, but Zach and uh, BG <laughs> oh, <true. laughs> we might have to put you on the road we'll for fly. <laughs> yeah, correspondence uh, for, for the golden Gophers. Um, nine teams currently BG. Uh, projected okay. from Joe Lenardi out of the Big Ten. Gophers still holding in that 8-9 spot, uh, mostly 9 right now in, in a lot of the projected brackets I've seen. Lenardi's got them at 9. But I want to say it's 5. I, I think it's 5 ranked wins, right, the Gophers have. And at one point, I don't know if it's still the case, BG, but it was the most in the country. Um, that was like two weeks ago. I don't know if that still holds mm. true, but... Definitely some bad losses on that Gopher resume as well, but some pretty high-quality wins as well. And a, I'm pretty confident. I'm not going to say I'm certain that they're going to make it in, but I'm pretty damn confident that the Gophers will be in March Madness. Um, and even if they kind of fall these last few weeks and stumble in the Big Ten tournament, I still think they have enough to get in. But we'll see. We'll see how they play the last couple weeks in the Big Ten and coming off a terrible road loss to Maryland, a really non-competitive game. They're down by 16 at halftime and ended up losing by 13 or 14. And now another road game at Indiana on Thursday this week, BG, and we just can't find a way to win away from Williams Arena. And even when we're at home recently, we've just been squeaking out wins. It hasn't been anything decisive or anything really to build on. Yeah, this Gophers Gophers season is kind of crazy. I think we have a really good team, and it shows that with five ranked wins, like you said, and really good ranked teams that we've beat number three and number four in the country. We beat pretty handedly too. Mm-hmm. Um, and also other great wins against Iowa and uh, Michigan by 25 at home. But the problem is they all come at home. 
we haven't won a single game on the road, which is just unbelievable with COVID season because <laughs> or as of now there's little fans and we can't find a way to beat Maryland on the road, which is, it doesn't make sense. And I, I don't know what to believe uh, with this Gophers team because we are not consistent at all. I guess we are consistent when it comes to the road and not showing out and performing well above our standards that we can. So I think it's going to come down to if we are going to win against the Indianas in the Big Ten on the road. Because if we keep losing and keep performing like we did against Maryland this past Sunday, I don't I don't think we're going to make it into the March Madness tournament. And I don't think, frankly, we deserve it if we keep losing to these unranked teams just because they're on the on road when they have 50 fans in the in their stadium. It, it doesn't make sense to me, especially with those great wins we have. We're not a consistent team. We're, I don't think we're a well-coached team either, um, which it shows for when we have that potential and lose to the teams we do and don't get prepared on the road. But, I mean, I think the potential's there, obviously, if we can pull ourselves together. Uh, I hope that it doesn't come down to us needing a Big Ten run in the Big Ten tournament to qualify, but I think the way we've been playing as of late and just more road games down the stretch, who knows? And it's not the best thing for our hearts as Minnesota Gophers fans, but it'll make it exciting to watch down the stretch and just see who gets in and who gets out. And I'm hopeful and I, I believe yeah, we'll be the teams that... Yeah. Sorry, the audio is cutting in and out. I think my internet's kind of bad over here. We're doing video for the first time. So the audio keeps cutting in and out on the roadcast, and I think it's probably going to show up that way on the podcast too. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm with you, BG. There just hasn't been a lot. We haven't seen a lot, and it was a very promising start to the season. It was a promising start on Christmas to beat Iowa, and it just hasn't really folded, you know, unfolded the way I thought it would. And maybe they still have it left in them. Maybe they have a run and they can put some pieces together and Booth Gotch can come alive and, and Brandon Johnson can start stroking from downtown and Gabe Kelsher as well. And maybe they can make a run and, and be a second weekend tournament team. But at this point, that prediction I made a couple months ago, I, I don't really believe in that right now. And I, I think they could be maybe a, a, a second round team right now. But again, we just don't have a lot to be confident in. And we'll see what happens. Andy, you guys got two good wins, you being Iowa, um, um, and you not, needed it. I wouldn't call them good. I mean, we beat Maryland, um, and then we beat, we beat uh, Michigan you beat State. Somebody by more ranked. Than, like, four. You beat somebody ranked. I don't think we. I thought. I'll double check. You moved, you moved up four spots um, in the in the polls this week, but. Yeah. Um, we, beat, we beat Rutgers. We beat Rutgers. I think Rutgers might have been ranked like in the high 20s okay. Okay. when we beat them. Um, but I mean, coming up to close the season off, we have Wisconsin twice, Michigan and Ohio state. I mean, talk about a gauntlet, to, um, a gauntlet to end the season. I mean, if we can get, I mean, if we can split with Wisconsin and split one between Ohio state and Michigan, I think that sets, sets the Hawks up, um, pretty good going into tournament. I mean, there's no doubt that, that we're not going to make, uh, make the, make the, the tournament, but. Um, I mean, it's all about, I mean, kind of like, in, they say this about all sports, about getting out of the right time. And, um, but it especially rings true for college basketball and, uh, and March Madness, just because, you know, you have to win, was it six games 
six games in a row against the 64 best teams in the country. Um, and, and that's really all that matters for, you know, these teams like Iowa, Ohio state, Wisconsin, like these kind of, um, top tier to middle tier or second tier big 10 teams. Um, I mean, the biggest critique out of the, for the big 10 conference the past couple of years has been, you know, that you talk about how, how top heavy they are and how, how low to the whole conference is, but, but no one makes it to the final four at the championship game. Um, besides Michigan every couple of years and then Wisconsin had a couple of years too. Um, and I mean, I think for the sake of the big 10, uh, you need to have at least one, uh, you know, hopefully two, just considering the number of teams that we're going to have in the tournament, um, you know, at least playing in the league to get to a final four. Um, but and I think it could be, you know, anyone from Iowa to Wisconsin, Ohio State, uh, Michigan. I mean, there's a bunch of teams that could be ranked as low as a four, five, six seed, um, you know, that if they get out of the right time, could find their way in the final four. Yeah, and, and you make a good point about Big Ten teams late in tournaments because we haven't had a Big Ten champion for a long time. I don't even know what the year was when the last time. Like Fab Four, maybe? Yeah. Oh, Ohio State won one, I think, uh, like in the 2000s. I don't um, – did they? I thought they lost to no, I remember Illinois got to Florida. To oh, no, they lost. Yeah. That's right. They lost to Florida, game. right, I thought? I think the last yeah. team – I heard this on Scott Van Pelt this week – but the last Big Ten team, and they weren't even in the Big Ten when they won it, uh, but a current member of the Big Ten would be Maryland, won it in 2002. But I think that is the last time a team from the Big Ten has won it. I don't know when a team that was actually in the Big Ten at the time of them winning. Might be the Fab Five. <laughs> Did Michigan State win one with Izzo, like around 2000? Um, yeah, that sounds right. Let's see here. Checking now. We have to go back to Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State in 2000 over Florida. They did beat Florida. Okay. Was that a. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, that's a very aggressive noise telling me my laptop's about to die, even though it's plugged in. Dang it. We just lost the show. Uh, hang on while I rejoin with the rest of the fellas. And we're back. Sorry for the technical malfunctions, fellas. Talking college hoops, anything else there uh, on that topic of college hoops before we get to Max Musselman? That's all I got. All righty. Well, we go through it all with Max. Here it is. And here we go. Max Musselman, um, a guy I've known a long time. We played basketball together growing up and kind of neighbors, too. We lived just a couple blocks away. I think we're, I think we're close enough to, to declare that. Close neighbors. enough. Uh, you go to school at the University of Minnesota. Your brother is Eric Musselman, head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, your father was the first head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Bill Musselman, the very first head coach uh, when that was a, a new team, an expansion team, and one of the best ever expansion teams. Even though they didn't win a lot of games, they were still considered one of the best expansion teams, led by your father, uh, who has since passed away. But one of the, you know, an all-time coaching family, really, when you look at the Musselmans. And, and Max, it's a pleasure to have you on the show to talk a little college hoops. Maybe we'll talk a little NBA, uh, but let's start with college hoops. Let's start in the SEC. Let's start with Arkansas. Your brother, the head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks, I believe it was a win over number 10, Missouri. Is that right? Yes, it was. And a road win. And a road win. Yes. Which is important. 
uh, for what you're Something about to Minnesota say. Something Minnesota fans are a little unfamiliar with. Oh right? yeah, I mean we're going to talk about that probably later in the show too. But yeah, we've had this theory that it's the basketball uh, that the Gophers use because they use a different ball than everybody else in the conference at home than they do on the road. So we have a deep investigation going into that. Uh, but let's go back to Arkansas. Your bro ripped his shirt off after a big road win and just went nuts in the locker room. And he, he's a great post-game locker room win coach. I mean, he had some moments in March Madness a couple of years ago as well. But kind of what's your perspective from, from, from watching him do that? Yeah, yeah. He's a very passionate guy. When I saw it come through, the uh, social media feed, it was kind of like, oh, no, here he goes again. Um, you know, soon enough, the text started rolling in for my buddies saying, <laughs> you know, some of them saying this is awesome. Some of them saying, wow, man, you know, your brother's a dork, but I love it. Um, and, and it's really like it's who he is. Like he knows when the cameras are on um, and it's it's all, you know, all good PR. All PR is good PR. Right. Right. But at the same time, like he's as competitive as anyone I know. Um, and that is a genuine way of him celebrating those big wins. Yeah. And a guy who's been at the top level, he's coached in the NBA. I think it was Sacramento, I want to say, in Golden State. He was the head coach in the yep. early, early 2000s. So, you know, maybe some of our audience don't, don't remember those days. Guys like us, our age, we were a little young for that. But he's made it to the big leagues, and he's done some really cool things in college basketball the last few years with Nevada. And now, is it year two at Arkansas, or is this year one? Year two, that's year correct. Two. Okay. And year two here at Arkansas. Um who else? I mean, obviously Alabama is pretty good in the SEC, but who are you kind of been watching other than Arkansas, who, who's a really a competitive team out of the SEC and could do some damage in the tournament? Yeah, and I, I think the SEC a lot of times, you know, it gets a little overshadowed, especially in a year like this where you've got three big, big 10 teams, um, four really if you count Iowa that have been near the top 10 for most of the season. But the thing about the SEC is the pace of play is, is really high. Um, more so emulates the NBA than mm-hmm. a lot of the other conferences in college basketball. And Alabama is the big story right now. Um, S- you've also got Missouri and Tennessee who've been you know near the top for most of the season, ranked in the top 10 for a good part of that. Um, but LSU, I think, is a team that a lot of people aren't paying enough attention to when it comes to SEC. Mm. I haven't seen them play this year, but... Yeah, certainly a, a, a good nugget there, a hot tip maybe to keep an eye on. They're 9-2, and two, I want to say, at home. I think 8-4 and four in the conference uh, as I look at the schedule here. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't watch a lot of SEC basketball. I think they get kind of a bad rap. But really this year in basketball, it's, it's kind of like all the typical blue blood powerhouse schools aren't really there. And, and it feels like a really crazy year, maybe partly because there's no fans, partly because we're in the middle of a pandemic uh, and that kind of stuff. But – the Dukes, the North Carolinas. I mean, there was a stat we talked about last week where it was Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, and maybe one other team in there, but they weren't in the top 25, and that was the first time since 1961 that all four of those programs weren't in the top 25. So it's it's a very weird year in college basketball to kind of predict who's going to be good, who's going to be good at the end of the season. Obviously, it's kind of a two-horse race right now for that number one overall seed with Gonzaga and Baylor. Uh, but is there a, another team that maybe not as many people are talking about that you like just from, from all over? I mean, I still really like Iowa a lot and they might not be, you know, a real big like sleeper pick. Like people know they're good. They knew they were good coming this year with Luca Garza coming back and, you know, all those other guys. Um, but I feel like they've been slept on a little bit lately with the way that 
Illinois and Ohio State and Michigan was playing Michigan before the shutdown and now getting a big win this weekend. But I think Iowa is a team a lot of people are forgetting about. They're sitting at four in Kempom right now. And one of the best offenses I've seen all year and one of the teams that actually did really hang with Gonzaga early in the season. I know they had a tough stretch the last few weeks, um, but the talent's still there for them. So I think depending upon, you know, what their region looks like, they still have a good shot to make it to the final four. Yeah. And it's so weird in college basketball, especially in the big 10 this season with just no fans. I mean, it's completely different. We talk about the Gophers when they're at home and just how much better they are than when they're on the road. And just that pathetic loss at Maryland, I think it was two or three nights ago now, but it's, it's kind of a weird year where I could see an Iowa team, a team that usually, I mean, is good in the regular season, doesn't really hold their weight at the end of the big 10 season and they kind of fall apart. Uh, but, I, you know, in this kind of strange year, I could see Iowa making a run. But at the same point, I, I just don't know if they can defend. I mean, they can score the basketball. That's obvious. Luca Garza is a walking double-double. He's going to get you know, 30 points almost every game. But I don't know if they can defend. And at times, they get sloppy on defense. And when the three ball doesn't fall for them, that's when they lose. And that's what happens against Minnesota. Snuck that win out somehow. Uh, I think we were down eight with like a minute to go and, and managed to come back into that game thanks and a large part to Marcus Carr hitting some two two big shots uh, to force overtime. But I don't know. I, I, I like Iowa at times, and then at times I don't like them too. But we'll see. What do you think of Michigan? Obviously they had the break. Now they're back and playing again. Is that a team that could win it all in your mind? You know, it's hard to say. Like that's the big issue with this year is that there is such a discrepancy between teams in terms of who's been able to play a lot of games you know, who hasn't had to take a break from COVID. They, like, they looked good this weekend. I mean, they got a nice win um, against Wisconsin. But I don't know. I don't know if I've seen enough from them to think that they can really hang with Gonzaga and Baylor. I think it is still kind of a two-horse race. Um, But these next few weeks will be big for Michigan to see what they look like, you know, down the stretch. Would love to see him play, you know, Illinois or Ohio State, hopefully, um, I think it was Illinois was the one that they were looking to potentially reschedule. And I think the big 10 needs to step up and make that happen. Um, but until I see those games, I don't know if I've seen enough to say that, you know, they're someone that can contend for the championship. Michigan's lone loss in the big 10. And I think they've only lost one game all year, right? It's to the golden Gophers. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the Gophers. You go to school at the U of M. I know you said before we started recording, you don't watch a ton of, of Big Ten basketball. You watch it here and there, but you're mostly following SEC, Arkansas, your brother, for obvious reasons. Uh, from the limited watching of the Gophers or maybe your limited experience with this team, what's their issue right now? Why can't they win on the road? Yeah. So I think the Gophers' issues have been pretty consistent um, during Patino's tenure. And primarily, I break it down to two things. The first being a lack of ball movement. And I think it really, um, it's really apparent when they play on the road, especially, you know, when they don't get off to a good start and they come in a little flat and when you don't have ball movement, it's hard to really, you know, revitalize your offense. Um, it makes it hard to come back in games. So I think that's the main thing. The second thing is that they don't, they don't have a history of making great adjustments coming out of halftime. Um, you know, I've gotten to see it firsthand attending a lot of games, you know, in person prior to COVID um, at the barn. And you'll notice sometimes like the team comes out of halftime pretty early um, and 
coaches have their different strategies and sometimes that's the right you know, decision to make. But overall, at least from the eyeball test, it always seems like the Gophers don't make a, don't have a great ability to adjust to teams. You know, they get hit in the, hit in the mouth and they don't really, you know, know how to fight back. Um, and I think that's part of the reason on the road, especially they've struggled so much. That's a very interesting perspective too, from kind of a coach's perspective coming out of the locker room. Cause I never noticed that, but I, I have noticed how bad they are at adjusting um, with those second half adjustments. And maybe that's simply just spending more time in the locker room. And I think that, yeah, you make a good point about that. If they're coming out of that locker room super early and then the adjustments are just not there or whatever they said, isn't clearly working in the second half. Yeah. There's something to be said about that for sure. I think you make a lot of good points. Uh, what do you think about Marcus Carr? I mean, at times I love him. I haven't seen a ton of gopher basketball in January, but earlier on in the season, particularly a few of the uh, first couple games on that seven game gauntlet we went through of, ranked teams he was playing phenomenal moving the basketball uh, creating for himself making tough shots finishing at the hoop and he was even causing steals on the other end getting up and defender or getting up as a defender and getting in passing lanes and that's something that he does at times but then it just doesn't seem like his motor is there at sometimes too yeah yeah that's you know one of my main issues with Marcus Carr is that he does get lost off ball at times and it's really frustrating to see um, because I don't think he's cemented himself enough, especially from like a draft perspective, um, to be able to have those mental lapses defensively. There will always be a place at the next level for guys that can score, but he's only 6'2". And like that's not, I don't know, he, he's kind of, he's facing difficulties already with his size. He's a good scorer, but when I think about it, like putting on my like GM hat for a minute, if I'm going to take somebody in the second round, that's a point guard, that's a scorer, and is supposed to be a bit of a game manager. I want someone that comes from a program that has a history of winning that's competed deep into March. Cause I think those are where you get really good success stories out of the second round with point guards. Think of like Malcolm Brogdon, um, Jalen Brunson, Peyton Pritchard, even this year coming out of Oregon, looking pretty good with the Celtics. Those guys that, have won national championships or made it to final fours, you know, played three or four years. Yeah. They're a little bit older. So a lot of times they slip to the second round. Um, I think that, you know, Carr just hasn't done enough. The Gophers haven't won enough games. And like I said, defensively, I think he just, you know, he just loses his focus a little bit when he's playing off ball at times. I completely agree with that take. And, it's just it's it's so weird because this whole gopher team too will, will kind of follow his lead I mean sometimes they come out and they're just half asleep in the first half and they get behind against a team like Michigan or Wisconsin or even against Maryland and then they just don't know how to get back into the game if they're not having an early lead and the shots aren't falling right away um, another guy we've talked about a lot in this podcast Gabe Kelsher obviously mm-hmm. his his shooting has been somewhat of a nightmare the last two seasons. He started out shooting 40% his first year with Minnesota. I don't know what his percentage is from this year. I think it's been a little better uh, from last year, but he just goes up and down on the offensive end. He's pretty solid as a defender, and he is one of our best on-ball defenders and off-ball defenders, but he's just kind of a liability at times on the offensive end because he's going to get his shots, and just sometimes they're not going in. Yeah, Kalsher's been probably the most confusing one on the Gophers team. Um, Not even, like you said, not even just this year, but last season too. 
And he's somebody that I was familiar with in high school. And I would assume, you know, you were too. So we know that that first year was not an outlier. Like he is a good shooter. And for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to get that together the last two years. He does all the little things, right? Like he's a guy that I think any coach would love to have on the team just because he is so, so good defensively, off ball, on ball, everything. Um, You know, Ryan James is one of the best, I think, you know, beats for the Gophers. And he's always talking about the little things that Gabe does that a lot of fans don't notice. But when it comes back to that jump shot, his numbers the last two years are abysmal. And every time I look him up, it's really disappointing when you see, you know, his three-point shooting percentage is in the 20s. And a lot of times he's in the 30s from the field overall. Um, The only thing I've noticed with this shot is that he does fade at times. So I don't know if that's part of it, but otherwise it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, and I've noticed a little bit of fading, but I just see he's got a good rotation and a great-looking jumper. And a lot of times he's getting them up and they're just rattling around the rim. He's just not getting the roll in. Or they're going two times around the circle and just falling out. You know, he just doesn't get any shooter's rolls that you would think a guy with a good jumper and getting clean looks and he's getting balanced on a lot of a lot of these shots. It's not like his problem is he's off balance or he's falling away every time. It's just I, I think it's more mental. And I don't know from a coaching standpoint what you can really say when you got a guy who's fundamentally is pretty solid and just the ball's not going in the hoop. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the hardest part. Like it's way easier um, to be completely honest, to fix a guy that has just a broke jumper, mm-hmm. right? You can bring in a shooting coach. I know Eric had a, has a guy that he um, has brought into his program from time to time, especially in Nevada in year one, when they just didn't have a lot of jump shooters period. Yeah. Um, but when it's a mental issue, you don't really have that ability. And a lot of times, what the guy needs is a change of scenery. And I don't think it's that Patino or the coaching staff staff is doing anything wrong with Gabe, but the reality is like to get that shot back, like he might just need a change of scenery. I'm not suggesting that, you know, that would be in, you know, college or whatever. Um, But it's a mental issue. I think when it really comes down to it. Yeah. And looking up his numbers now, he's shooting 24%, uh, 24 and a half percent. I won't leave that half percent. It probably means a lot to him. Uh, from, from downtown right now. And that's, that's not good. I mean, that's not good when you got a guy who's got that good of a jumper. We know he can shoot in the 40%, which is an insane number to be at in college, shooting 40% from three-point line. But it, it's a number he can be at. And, and it's if you have that, it changes everything. I mean, it really opens up the floor offensively for the Gophers. Um, last Gopher thing, Liam Robbins. Uh, he's been pretty dang good. Uh, this season for the most part. I, again, I haven't seen a lot of the games recently, but what have you liked from him this season? Yeah, it's funny you bring up Liam Robbins because Christmas Day was that Iowa game, and Eric gave me a call. Um, I think it was right around when they were going into overtime, and, and you know, we were just talking, just, you know, catching up here and there, and, and he, the last thing he asked me, he said, what do you think of this Robbins kid? Um, and he's a good player. Like, I think you know, having a big that has some skills um, goes a long way in college. And, you know, I don't know if I've seen enough of him to really speak on like the intricacies of his game. Um, But he does add a lot to that team. And I think to have, you know, to be able to plug him in there after losing Ochuru has been really big for the program. Yeah. And a rim protector, a guy like Reggie Lynch, really, who guy's been on this show and we've talked to him, but he, he's a rim protector like that. And, and that's what the Gophers were missing and needed to fill in that this year with, with Arturo leaving and 
who knew what was going to happen, but I've been, you know, pretty surprised with how he's developed and I've been pretty happy with Brandon Johnson as well. Um, and, and maybe last thing here, I know I said this was the last one earlier, but uh, Booth Gotch, a guy who played well early in the season before the conference and just really hasn't shown up at all. Another Minnesota guy, an Austin guy. Do you think there's a chance he could turn it on here in the, in, in the next couple of weeks to close out this season? Yeah, I'm that he's one of the guys that is frustrating for me, not from a perspective of, you know, what he does or doesn't do on the court, but when, you know, I'm talking with my friends or talking with, you know, family or whoever it is that watches the Gophers, a lot of people get frustrated with him. And I think it is because they haven't seen those flashes of him. Like you said, if, if you grew up, you know, following the Minnesota high school basketball scene, you know how good he can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he does have the ability to turn it on, you know, he does show some flashes with the ball in his hands every now and then. Um, his free throw shooting percentage-wise has been really good all through college, which a lot of times is a bigger indicator of, you know, how good someone is as a shooter. I know his three-point numbers have been bad mm-hmm. um, pretty much every year. So yep. I think he does have the ability to get hot um, down the stretch. Whether or not that'll happen, you know, is really hard to say. But I would like to see them, you know, try to get him involved in the offense a little more. Um, cause I don't know what the numbers are, but I know he doesn't attempt a lot of shots per game. And I think if they tried running some stuff, you know, threw him a little bit more, get him involved in transition, that he could have a bigger impact, at least in the offensive side of the floor. Yeah. He's only averaging seven, basically eight points a game right now. And a guy I think should be in double figures every night. Just, he's so athletic. He can run mm-hmm. the floor so well and you throw the ball up to him. He can hit some shots from outside. It's just a guy you need to be utilizing. And for him to only have seven points a night or averaging eight points a night, that's just not enough for this Gopher team. Um, all right, wrapping up. Sorry, I cut you off. Wrapping up Big Ten here. Give us a champion, uh, if you will, from the Big Ten Conference. Who's going to win this tournament uh, that has now moved to Indianapolis? Ohio State. Um, I think I think they still have the best body of work um, when, when it comes down to it. I think Iowa, like I said, they have the ability to – make a run. They're a team that can really beat anyone just because of how good their offense is. But can they put together a stretch of games to win what's going to be a really hard conference tournament? I don't think so. Michigan, I still have some concerns with, you know, them having time off and, you know, being able to get in a consistent rhythm. Illinois is a great team. I think it'll probably come down to Illinois and Ohio state. And I would give Ohio state the edge this year. All right, there we go. Let's go to your conference. The one, you know, the best sec, uh, are you picking your bro? Is he winning at all? You know, I can't really say otherwise. Yeah. Um, so the better question would probably be the runner-up. Yeah, okay, runner-up. Who, who are you guys going to beat in, in the title game? Yeah, I'm. It, it's similar. I just really like the way that Alabama has played. Um, and a lot of people look at them, you know, offensively in terms of the way that they've shot the ball down the stretch. Um, they've, you know, I don't, again, I don't know what the numbers are, but Every time I look it up, they're putting up 100 points on a, on a good SEC team and shooting the crap out of the basketball from the three-point line. Defensively, they're really good, though. Um, they hold teams, I think, to like in the, in the 60s. I think it's like 68 points per game defensively um, through the SEC so far this season. So they have a really good defense. I think it's probably them or LSU. Um, Tennessee and Missouri have been the other two SEC, SEC teams ranked in the top 25 through most of the season. I just don't see it as much from them. They have good teams, but um, LSU offensively is really good. 
both LSU and Alabama play at an incredibly fast pace. Um, they get up a lot of shots. And LSU's got a kid in Cam Thomas that I think is really being slept on and will end up being a great pro. Cam Thomas. All right, we'll remember the name. Um, all right, last question before we get you out of here. Who's going to win the national championship? <laughs> it's Gonzaga. Um, again, you know, like we've talked about, it's kind of a, a two-horse race right now with mm-hmm. Gonzaga and Baylor. I looked up on Ken Palm uh, the other day just because I was curious, and I was looking to see where Arkansas was at. And the one thing that really raised my eyebrows was actually Gonzaga right now has the highest Ken Palm rating of any team in the database, which goes all the way back to 2002. Wow. Uh, they've been there before. They've got some great pieces, um, not just from an experience perspective, but also Jalen Suggs, which again, another Minnesota guy that we all know very well. Yep. I just, I haven't seen a team as well-rounded as them in a very long time, if ever. Um, Baylor's awesome. They're a great shooting team. They play with a lot of intensity, but I just think Gonzaga has the edge, especially when it comes to experience. Yeah, and, and a guy we've talked about a lot on this show, Jalen Suggs, one of the many Minnesota Hoopers, making an impact around the country in, in, in a big way and for big-time programs. It's, a, it's another success story out of Minnesota, and they just keep piling up the, uh, the yeah. talent. Yeah, and don't, don't sleep on Corey Kispert either. He's another guy that I think um, will be a great pro. Just I mean, the guy is one of the best shooters in the game right yeah. now. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Max, where can people find you? You're still doing uh, your podcast with uh, – Leaves? <laughs> I'm not. You know, honestly, um, I've been staying, you know, under the radar a bit, lying okay. a little, little low lately. Yep. Um, but you know, I'll be around. Okay. Well, hey, let's get you back on the show. Maybe right before the or right after the bracket comes out, break down uh, a little March Madness, a little round of 64 action for us. I would love to. And to be completely honest, you know, I've always got probably more NBA takes even okay. than college. Okay. Um, so. Always down to talk hoops, you know, NBA, college, whatever it is. I love it. I love it. Our new NBA hoops slash college hoops correspondent. Uh, you're going to be required to come on the show anytime we ask from now on. Sound good? All right. Well, I'll, I'll never say no. I love it's it. Great. It's been great. And a special thanks to Max Musselman for calling in tonight. He's got a great basketball mind. And, fellas, I know you guys weren't on that interview and you haven't heard it yet. You'll hear it on the pod when it comes out. But – He's got a great basketball mind, an elite basketball mind, and he comes from a, a rich history of, of coaching basketball and some very good basketball coaches working at the top level of NBA basketball uh, and currently college basketball with his brother Eric at Arkansas. But he'll be on back on the show definitely come March Madness, and I know he's a big NBA guy as well, so we're going to have some NBA talk with him in the future. Uh, but again, thank you to Max for calling in. All right, to wrap up the show today, fellas, most revolutionary player. We had one, our, our first-round matchup last week, another first-round matchup on the other side of the bracket. And it's getting heated, fellas. Let me just pull up the matchups. I know we got Lindsey Vaughn versus, and I'm blanking on who it is, versus... Uh, Phelps, Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, thank <laughs> you. And Jackie Robinson versus Paul Morphy. Let's start with that one, uh, Paul Morphy versus Jackie Robinson, because, Andy, your guy, Paul... <gasps> No idea who that is. Yeah, I um, I don't know. Maybe I was a little drunk on draft night. I I, I don't know. I, I just wanted – I was so desperate to find someone uh, just not uh, mainstream or, or obvious that mm. I came up with a chess guy who was born in 1840. 
Um, but, I mean, he's considered by most to be the um, best chess player who ever lived, never had any formalized chess training. Uh, he <laughs> learned chess by playing against um, Mexican-American War and uh, Civil War generals who stopped by his house when he was growing up, and he would, uh, he would beat all of them. Uh, and then when he was in his, uh, in his pre-teens, uh, the uh, um, world chess champion at the time came, uh, came over to, uh, to his house because his dad was an influential person. Um, kid wanted to play chess. The world chess champion you know, thought it would be a, a fun, easy game, and, uh, and he lost to Paul Morphy. Um, and really, I mean, if you look at, you know, past, past hundred years of, uh, top chess players, they all point to Paul Morphy as the one who, uh, who revolutionized, uh, revolutionized the game and, um, and played the most flawlessly. How do you um, revolutionize chess? I mean, it's, um, uh, I think ch- chess is an interesting, uh, interesting game when you consider now with all the supercomputers that, that you know, IBM and all these groups have built to to analyze chess games and you know beat all the top players in the world. And when uh, chess supercomputers analyze Paul Morphy's games from before the time of even electricity, um, he played flawless games that um, you know today with today's technology, the way that the way that that uh, chess champions today prepare is they work with supercomputers. They basically memorize moves. Um, whereas Paul Morphy back in the 1800s was, you know, kind of doing it on the fly, um, and he was playing, by today's standards, flawless games, um, and uh, built a lot of the strategies that um, the, the chess supercomputers today now use to to win games. Um, so I think really like the, the, that's the most fascinating part about him is how he was um, he was so good at something that technology has mastered. Um, and technology shows us that, you know, before electricity, he was, um, he was playing the game flawlessly. Weird and now we'll turn over to Jackie Robinson, who, uh, <laughs> who, 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 who might also be. Yes. Yeah, so I, I was going to say, are you trying to argue that Paul Morphy is more influential than Jackie Robinson? You know what? I didn't set the, uh, set the, the draft, uh, not the draft, the brackets on matchups. Um, so this is um, this is just dumb luck that I have to argue against Jackie Robinson. I'm not arguing against Jackie Robinson. I'm arguing for Paul Morphy. I'd argue that the IBM supercomputer was more revolutionary than Paul Morphy. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Not kidding. No, I, I like that, Andy. That was a good. That, that was cool. I, I learned learned something there, and I look forward to that article because um, that is interesting. I've never heard that guy's name before. Yes. Um, I will I'm move on kidding. to Jackie Robinson. Um, somebody who I hope everybody knows of, even if you're not a sports fan. And mine's going to be short and sweet since I don't need to educate people on who this most influential person of all time is. Um, but Jackie Robinson obviously broke the color barrier for not only baseball, but all major sports. And we can see that in pretty much every sport league in the U S and or across the world today. And um, he's the only athlete to have his jersey retired in every single major sport, which is just an awesome accomplishment, accomplishment, and a really cool thing to see. But um, I think I hope that this versus I hope that this uh, competition or this matchup 
goes the way it should and speaks for itself when you see the two names next to each other. But I'll obviously um, give the respect it's due and write in more detail um, on the blog. I, I like it. Zachary? Yeah. Uh, with I, I, Like I said, Andy, that has a cool choice. It really is. Um, uh, Michael Phelps kind of needs a no introduction like the, uh, like the Jackie Robinson one. Um, but I was giving Andy his credit, man. That was, that was cool. I like, I like hearing those, those kind of stories about the, the little guys. Um, Michael Phelps had transformed a entire, uh, you could say that not that the Olympic games ever needed reviving since they were revived in like 1903 or whenever they came back at the 1800s, but he can definitely speak for that. He, you know, the most decorated Olympian ever, um, brought an excitement to the Olympics that no one else I don't think it ever had up until that point. Um, and I think it's 21 medals that, that I'm going to check for sending that article, 21 Olympic medals. Um, it was just domination at, at its finest. And, um, yeah, I, I think he's a, he's a good candidate to, to say he's revolutionized the, uh, and we could say the sport of swimming. Yeah. But, but truly the Olympic games in itself, I mean, um, no one, no one put up the uh, performance that he had, uh, in pretty much all, every single, <laughs> every single one of his Olympic games. Uh, it's pretty, pretty easy to see. You go ahead with Lindsey Vaughn. And, uh, <clears throat> we were going to record the whole episode so people could see the shenanigans that go on, uh, on the zoom call with, with pictures coming up and whatnot. And we did have most of the episode recorded. Obviously you've heard the, uh, malfunctions in my computer audio today and we're back on my phone now and just going to finish out the show this way. So that's why Zach didn't sound quite as good there at the end, but, um, we're having video shortly a little rambling Rick moment right there. We're, we're going to have video shortly so you can see what BG's doing, why Zach is laughing while he's giving some of his takes, but to wrap up there, uh, I got Lindsey Vaughn and Lindsey, obviously a hometown hero from Minnesota, Buck Hill, where she learned how to ski, eight gold medals, two of them gold, uh, a tough draw with Michael Phelps and everything he's done in his time. Obviously, 08 was a very memorable time for a lot of us um, watching what he did in Beijing, the eight gold medals in a row, uh, eight for eight, which was just insane. And I remember one of those relay races when he was diving out and just barely outreached somebody else. And that, that was an insane moment for Michael Phelps. So it, it's going to be tough. But with the Minnesota podcast and our, our base out of Minnesota, most of our downloads are out of Minnesota, I think Lindsay's got a chance. I mean, she did a ton for women's skiing in the two gold medals as a Minnesotan. We'll see. We'll see if she's enough, to, if that's enough to uh, overtake Michael Phelps and everything he's done. But a tough draw for Lindsay in the first round here. Um, but we'll, we'll write a blog post for all of those four athletes, and they will be up on the website this week, probably on Wednesday I'll say by Wednesday night they'll be up there. Uh, so go check them out. We're going to do the voting at the end for all of these matchups, but all the blog posts are still going to be there for the next couple of weeks leading up to March Madness, and we're going to crown a most revolutionary athlete um, by the end of it. So a couple more weeks to go in this first round, and then we'll get into the next round matchups as well. I don't know how that's going to work out for the blog post, but we'll figure out something, some way to do that. Um, and, yeah, We'll see you guys all next week. Sorry for the audio issues. We'll, we'll try to sort that all out in the video. We're going to have full videos coming from our episodes. Um, 
hopefully on on Friday morning that that episode will work and we can get it all recorded and get it posted to YouTube and that's where the full the full video will be as well as the audio and yeah podcast will still be coming out on Spotify on Apple Podcasts as well we're just adding one more platform YouTube so there you have it we'll see you guys all next week Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go. So make the best of this test and don't ask why. It's not a question but a lesson learned in time. It's something unpredictable, but in the end that's right. I hope you have the time of your life. And still frames in your mind Hanging on a shelf and good up and good times Tattoos of memories and dead skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable In the end that's right I hope you have the time of your life That was awesome, guys. That was, that was awesome. That whistle part was really good. Thank that you.